0: Some of you know where those words came from. It came from the end of the book of Job. If you ever read the book of Job, Job was a very blessed man. He had so many things. He didn't do really anything wrong, and all of a sudden, all the important things in his life were taken away. He lost his family. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. Everything. And for 30-something chapters... He has these three friends that show up and try to explain to him why he had done things wrong and this was happening to him. And we learned at the beginning of the book of Job that that it really had nothing to do with Job at all. It had to do with God and it had to do with the devil. And, And something that God allowed to happen in Job's life. God never answers that. Because as you're working your way through those 30-something chapters and those friends keep hitting Job with all of these questions, you know, Job throws some questions back out at them, and then finally toward the end, Job starts asking God questions. And if you read it closely, you'll find that God never answers Job's questions. Instead, Job says, hold on a minute. God says to him, wait a second, I'm going to ask you a few questions. And what you just saw, those are some of the questions where God asks Job a few things. This is the way I think when I gather together with you because I know what happens. People walk in the door and they've got all kinds of questions about their life and about God and about why things happened and why this was allowed and, and there is no answer for that. I can't give you an answer for that. There's nobody else in this room that has an answer for that. And, and if you'll hear me, it may be that in all of your days in this world, not even God will answer that question for you as much as you want it. He may not give it. And while God is not the one who answers all the questions, He does do something very, very wonderful for us. He sends us people. He started by sending His Son. And long before any of you, any of us were ever born, God said, I'm I'm not going to send an answer in a written form. I'm going to send my Son. He is the answer. And so He sent Jesus. And Jesus lived in this world He never committed a sin and never did anything wrong. He told us about God. He expressed God. He was was there, God in the flesh, like the people who walked and talked with Him or met Him or heard Him speak. They had the opportunity to walk and talk with God. What a great privilege. And then after Jesus died on the third day, He rose from the dead. And that's why people all over the world on Sunday mornings still get up and show up and gather together in places like this, big and small. We do it because we follow one who died and rose from the dead. He's alive today. Most of you have already talked to Him today. You woke up talking to Him. You prayed to Him. You asked Him things. You, you, you worship Him. And these songs, they're not just songs that you sing. They're your way of worshiping Him. Even though you don't have all the answers that you want. Or maybe that you need. So after Jesus rose from the dead, He went to heaven. But He sent back His Spirit and He sent back His Spirit in His people. And that's what's so special about these gatherings. This is why when I have these conversations with people about church and they say, well, I don't need to go to church. I don't have to. You know, I can do my thing by myself. In fact, it might even be better if I'm by myself. And I hear what you're saying. I I get that. There are times I think that or feel that myself. But there's something special about when God's people gather together. There's something here that you cannot find anywhere else because it is the Spirit of God in the people of God when we gather together to worship God. That's what happens. So we keep asking God for answers and God keeps sending us people. You look around in this room and if this is your church, this is your faith family. They're they're that local church for you. They're the ones you're going to see week in and week out. They're not the church universal because that's a huge group of people all over the world and they're made up of people all through the years. But when it comes down to what it actually looks like week after week, it's this group. It's this church. It's this family. If this is your church. And we're doing this series right now called Open Door. And it's based on Scripture. Don't pull up Scripture yet. I'll get to it in a moment. But it's based on Revelation 3.20 where Jesus says to His church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone will open the door, I will come in. It's what you see over here on the sign today. It's Revelation 3.20. So what that means is it's possible for a group like us to get together and do our thing, serve coffee, breakfast, sing some songs, do all that and never really bring Jesus into it. We can go through the motions and not meet the person we're supposed to meet. That's what we can do. So how do we open the door? And that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. If you want to follow along in the scripture, I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 10. Uh, we'll have it on the screen as well, but I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 10 verse 41 through 45 in just a moment here's what the series looks like last week we did mother's day and graduation and all that but two weeks ago we started this series and we started looking at house rules and we just had seven of those, and I just walked you through those. Because when we talk about the house, we're talking about here. We don't necessarily mean the Harris Center, we just mean us, wherever we meet. What are the rules we go by? What are the things that we do that, that in a real practical way open the door so Jesus isn't on the outside, he's in here with us? What do we do? And we went through kind of some rules, some things we actually do to help make that happen. Today we're going to talk about the house values. In other words, those things that are behind the rules. Why do we do those things? What do we value that causes us to do things like that? So, for example, who remembers house rule number one? No one sits alone. That's house rule number one. No one sits alone. I'm looking around. We got anybody sitting alone? Barbara, how did you do that again? Yeah. Barbara likes to sit alone. Okay, so I gave you, a, I gave you an out on that, okay? And, and I did this for Barbara's sake. Okay, if, if no one sits alone and you look around and you see someone sitting alone and you go, oh, that's not supposed to happen, let me get over there and sit with that person. If you go sit by them and they get up and move, you're, you're okay you're off the hook like you it's okay if you sit down and it creeped them out and they left they went to get coffee and didn't come back it's all right you can let them sit alone all right but don't let somebody walk in the door sit down as a part of our fellowship and then walk out at the end going nobody spoke to me nobody talked to me no one sat with us i mean we were just by ourselves don't let that happen okay now why is that so important it's important because we value certain things, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Next week when you come back, we'll talk about the house mission, which is we're just backing this up closer and closer to Jesus. We value these things because there's a certain mission that Jesus himself has assigned to us. And then when you back that up the, the next week, it's it's the house hope because our hope is ultimately in Jesus himself. So you kind of see we're starting with the things you actually see and do, the behaviors, and we're backing it up from, from rules and values and mission to hope. But it all starts with the hope we have in Jesus Christ. All right, we have the scriptures, Revelation 3.20. And we're going to be looking at this today and two more weeks. So just go ahead and memorize it. You know, Jesus himself, he says, I'm at the door. I'm knocking. And if anyone hears my voice and will open the door, I will come in. He's talking about fellowship. He's talking about relationship. He's talking about not just knowledge of Him, but you can know Him. And one of the things that that just sets the Christian church apart from any other religious organization is we believe that a person can truly have a relationship with God. We believe you can know Jesus Christ personally. That's what we believe. So, real quick, what can you do now? Um, Just a quiz for you. How many of you know how many weeks we've been meeting? Anybody know? Want to guess? This is Sunday number what? 14. (laughs) Thank you, Jennifer, for trying. Thank you for participating. This is Sunday number 14 that we've been meeting together. Okay, And if you want to know, how can I help this group? How can I help our church move forward, grow, do all the things that we want to do? How can we do that? I'm going to give you four quick things. Number one, pray Pray for our church every day. If you don't do that already, please just make it a part of what you do. Whenever you're praying, just ask God to bless the people who make up Harvest Light Church. And if you know more and you think more and there's something in your heart and mind, just add that into the prayer. But at the very least, just pray for your church family and ask God to bless us and lead us in all things. So that's where you start. Number two, talk up your church we don't have any signs out you know we don't we don't do a lot of promotion or anything like that it's it's you and, and one of the main reasons for that is because i know the reason most people walk in the door and join a service like this is because someone they know told them about it and asked them to be here that's why they don't show up because they saw a sign they don't show up because they read an advertisement they don't show up necessarily because they saw something on social media they show up because someone they knew contacted them invited them said, hey, come to church with me, something like that. That's why they do it. So talk up your church wherever you go. That's how you can help. Number three, give. Give. I mean, it just takes money to do what we do. And uh, most of you know, I I mean, I say enough about money and stewardship, and that's because we're supposed to do it. But I'll give you this background information because I asked Judy. I don't know who gives what. You know, I I don't need to know that. I don't want to know that. But I like to know certain things about our giving. And here's what I know. There are about 12 givers. And when I say a giver, that could be an individual or a family. Sometimes, you know, a a husband and wife will give, you know, a check together. Sometimes people do it separate. But we have about 12 givers uh, that give every week. You know, again, I don't know who you are, but uh, Miss Judy sees everything, so she knows. But there are about twelve people that give every single week, and then we have a thirteenth person, which is cash cash you know you don't know you know if somebody drops five dollars in the plate or one dollar or fifty cent or whatever we pull all that together and we count that as one one giver you know just the cash person whoever that is so 12 people that give every week one thing for cash and then of course you got people that give a little you know somebody gave this week and then they give four weeks later or something like that but you put all that together and we average about a thousand dollars per week as a church we average about a thousand dollars a week Right now, our expenses as a church are as low as they're ever going to be. You know, that's just the truth. And it'll grow from there, but our giving will grow from there. And I just encourage you to give. Um, Everything you have belongs to God. Everything. And so if you want to help and you want to be a part of how we build this together as a church family, that's one of the most practical things you can do is give. And then the last one I would say is this. Serve. Serve find a way that you can plug in and do something to contribute and help and i'm going to talk a lot about that today so i don't want to say a whole lot lot more about it right now let's read the scripture because we're thinking about serving this is out of mark chapter 10 starting at verse 41. Uh, something had happened with jesus and his disciples now if you don't know a lot of the background of this jesus had 12 he called 12 people to himself and they were his learners they were his disciples they were his apostles His plan was to send those 12 people into the world to change the world. And frankly, they did it. It was through Jesus Christ and His power, but those 12 people went into the world, did what He taught them to do, and they changed the world. That's the reason you're sitting here today. There's an unbroken line between you as a believer today all the way back to those 12 apostles because the faith has been passed from one person to the next to the next through all those years. But it wasn't always easy for those disciples. You know, sometimes they argued with one another. They fought. They didn't get along. And there were two of them, James and John. They were brothers. And they kind of got Jesus off to the side. And they said, hey man, we want you to do something for us. And Jesus said, "All right, what is it? When you get into your kingdom, we want to sit next to you. One on the right and one on the left. Now when the other ten found out that James and John were doing that, the scripture says they were indignant that's, that's not perturbed that's not frustrated that's not a little bit angry they were, they were mad or as my wife would say they were mad mad right mad mad that's what they were the, the big word that's in, in my version of the Bible is indignant that's what they were they were indignant so here's, here's what happened Jesus pulled them all together he's got a little crisis going on it's two verses ten among his own disciples and he pulls them all together and he says hey guys you need to learn something here so here it goes Verse 41, Hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be the first among you shall be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man, even He, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for sending Jesus. We read His words today. We know You have a message for us. So as we think of these things in the next few moments, guide our thinking. Help us, Lord, to change so that we might be more of what You call us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So we value certain things. And you take this scripture and what happened to the disciples and how Jesus tried to adjust that. He gave them, can we call this an attitude adjustment? That's what it was for them. It was a little attitude adjustment. You know, they're going to argue about who's the greatest. And Jesus says, don't worry about that at all. Let's figure out who can serve the most. That's a complete change. That's a totally different attitude. And it's a whole different set of values. So I'm going to walk you through some of these because this is what it looks like in the local church. What do we value? We value these things. Number one, we value being a contributor, not a consumer. We value being a contributor, not a consumer. So if you are a consumer, you say, what's in it for me? Right? If you're a consumer, you say, am I getting a good deal? I love that cartoon. Michelle found that. I guess that's Moses with the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Hey God, these are pretty good, but what's in it for me? Right? That's a consumer mindset. Now, you, have, you were born and raised in a consumer mindset. I mean, it's, it's so pervasive for you, you don't even think about it. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, some of you, when you walked into the door today, you were looking around like, already you're in the consumer mindset. You it's not your fault, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you walked in, you're like, this coffee's not what I like. <laughs> they don't have my favorite food here. Those chairs are still metal. They haven't got any softer chairs yet. Which, by the way, as long as we're at the Harris Center, this is, these are all the chairs we're ever going to have. John couldn't even find his favorite chair today. So that's, just, that's what it is. But it's a consumer mindset. We think about how it impacts us. That's how we think about it. And Jesus turned that around for us completely. And so we want to be contributors. We want to give something instead of always thinking about what we take. So a contributor says, what can I add? How can I help? It's kind of like when you go into a restaurant. Where are my Outback people? Some of you like Outback? I know, right there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Outback people. You walk in Outback. They need to talk to you pretty quick, right? Outbacks learn. They'll put somebody at the door. Like they, if, they, if they can do it, they'll open the door for you. You walk in, there's somebody there. They're going to say hello to you. They're going to welcome you. They're going to take you over to your seat pretty quick because if you have to wait long, you'll go over to Applebee's. Right? <laughs> That's what you won't wait. You just won't do it. I've done it myself. You'll go in, you'll sit down and, and then the person will come over and they'll say, uh, you know, can I get you something to drink? You know, and, and so you tell them what? What do I tell them? You know what I you know what I want to drink when I go to Outback? Coffee. Thank you very much. I will. It, it doesn't matter day or night when I go to Outback, I want coffee, black and a little glass of water. That's it. That's all I need. I'm good to go after that. All right, but, but you walk in that restaurant, is the lighting right? They bring your drink, does it taste right? They bring your food, like it's not as good as it was last time. I mean, you just, you just critique everything. And even if you're not mean about it, you think that way. That's a consumer mindset. And people bring that into their church. We got a video pretty straight today, right? Because for the first few weeks it was a little bit off, you know, a little angle or something, and people said, that's not straight. It's not straight. Look, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's true. It wasn't straight. But I mean, that's how we think about it. We just we're consumers in so many ways. And so what we value if we're going to follow the way the way Jesus taught us to do it is we kind of break out of that mindset and we start thinking about how can I give something to this? How can I make this better? How can I improve this? Do I have something to contribute instead of simply something to take? It would be like you walking in the restaurant. And the lady comes over or the guy comes over and they say, can I get you something to drink? And you say, no, that's all right. I'll get it myself. Here, have a seat. I'll be right back. And I go to the back and I get my own coffee, right? Or, and this this really happened, I ordered that thing at Outback. Have y'all seen this thing? It has an onion at the bottom, cheesy fries on top of that, and ribs on top of that. Exactly. That's, John said, not anymore. Why would they take that off the menu? Best thing they've ever come up with. Why would they take it off the menu? So, so when I ordered that and they said, oh, sir, that's not an appetizer anymore, I'm like, well, can I go to the kitchen? I know how to do this. I can do this, right? That, so I don't need to be a consumer. I'll contribute here. I'll go make it myself or for others, whatever you need to do. It's just... That's what it would be like. It'd be like you walking in a restaurant, they're trying to serve you, and you turn it around and you try to serve them. That's moving out of the mindset of being a consumer and becoming someone who can contribute. That's the difference. And and if I can give you just, just like three quick ideas about it, this is what I'd say. If you want to shift your thinking from being a consumer to being someone who can really contribute, start here. It's not about you. What are the first words in the Bible? First words in the Bible. You open it up. What are the first words? In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. It is not about you. It wasn't in the beginning, God made these wonderful people. No, no, no. Not that. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. You saw that video a moment ago? And then, you know, just some of the images there with the questions that God gave to Job and it just makes you think about how big and powerful God is look it's not about you when I read from Revelation and I told you there's a throne in the center of heaven I'm not on it and neither are you it's not about you if you want to shift your thinking away from what's in it for me to how can I can give how can I give and how can I contribute start there this is not about you being here today is not about you anything you do later today is not really about you That'll shift your thinking. Second thing I'd add to you is this, and it's related. You become others-focused. You become focused on other people. Um, I don't know how much time you spent getting ready this morning. I might not want to know, you know. But there's only so much you can do with what you got, right? That's the truth. There's only so much you can do with what you got. So you just get up, you know, you get clean, you brush your hair, you do a little bit and that's all you got. So out the door you go because it's not really about you put your focus on other people. It's not here I am. Look at me. It's you're here now and and you know, I'm going to focus on you and you do that in maybe a hundred different ways. But, but that's part of the shift in your thinking. And here's the third thing I would add to that. so it's not about you, become others focused. and then I always, ask your que- I always ask the question, "What can I give? How can I help?" If you want to shift from being a consumer to a contributor, ask, "What can I give? How can I help?" Okay, and that, all of that's because we value being a contributor, or not being, uh, being a contributor and not a consumer. So here's the second one. Uh, we value being needed and known. That's what we value. If you go to a church somewhere that has 5,000 people, and I have nothing against congregations with 5,000 people. <laughs> I see you're shaking your head. If you go to a congregation with 5,000 people, how many of them can you really know? Yeah, some of us have trouble knowing everybody in this room, right? That's right. One of the things we value is being needed and known. People will, will come to a service like this once, maybe twice, and if somehow they don't make a connection in the first or second visit, seeing people, talking to people, whatever, if, if, they don't, if they're not convinced that they're needed and, and they can at least start the path of being known, they won't come back. Right? Because one of the things that makes the difference about whether people stick in any local congregation is whether they believe and they feel that they're needed and they're known. They'll show up a couple of times, but they need to know that. So here's my question. How can I convince you that you're needed? You know, how can I, I mean, as the pastor of this church, how can I convince you that you're needed here? How can I do that? That's one of the things I always try to work on. I will give you th- these ideas. Your presence is needed. You know what happens to me on Sunday morning? It happens every single Sunday. And I, I love it, but I don't. Okay, people let me know they're not going to be here. Okay, I appreciate that. And if you're not gonna be here and like we're counting on you for something, you know, you've got a responsibility or something like that and you can't be here, I really do want to know that. Okay, so don't don't <laughs> misunderstand what I'm saying. Call me. But it happens every Sunday morning. I get up, there's a text message or a voicemail, or I take a shower and I get out, and somebody's already called. And they, I can't be there today, somebody's got a fever, I got this, or I got that. So I hear all of those things and, and they can you can't all be here every Sunday. I get that. But when you're not here, I just want you to know we miss you. We miss you. All right, that's your chair. Not every week, <laughs> but that's your chair. Look, John and Judy were here early this morning putting out these chairs, you know, because that's your chair. It's your chair today. And if you weren't here, we would miss you. Look around. You know there's some people that are normally here that are not here today because they've got other things going on. And don't we miss them? If they listen to this recording, we're telling them now, we miss you. We miss you because you're not here it's not just that we miss something something that they would contribute to us we're missing that we don't get that when we sang these songs a few moments ago we created something that does not exist anywhere else at any other time we created a a unique voice of worship to God it was made up of this group of people singing to God and singing about God and worshiping God that sound that voice does not exist anywhere else never will it's made up of just this group and those who couldn't be here today weren't part of that, and we miss them. So you're needed because of your presence. You're also needed because of your power. You say, well, I don't have any power. That's kind of weird. What are you talking about? Well, there, there's a certain power in every congregation, and it's made up of the people. It comes from the people. The power is the resources we have, the skills we have, the gifts we have. It's, it's the money we have. It's all those things. You put all that together. That's the strength of a church. And, and so when you're not here and you're not part of that, we're missing some of that power. And so you, you think of it by presence, you think of it by power, and then you know, if you just want to stay with that that lettering, it's we miss the productivity. We miss what people can contribute, we miss their gifts and action. Every Christian person has at least one spiritual gift, everyone. And when you're here and you're just doing those things that God made you to do and put you in this world to do, we all benefit from that. And when you're not here, we all miss that. So again, we value. People being needed and then I got to turn this around will you allow yourself to be known because I can't I mean I can tell you hey do that open yourself up be a little vulnerable let people know you but you're the one that really has to answer that question will you allow yourself to be known okay so I'm gonna tell one on Justin he's over here I promise it'll be nice what night was it we went to eat Thursday Thursday night we went to eat after graduation and uh, guess where we went? Outback. Outback. Yes, I'm, Outback's on my mind today. So we went to Outback Thursday night, and my wife and I sat there across from Jennifer and Justin, and we just cut up and laughed, and we're just ourselves. And, and that was a lot of fun. And please don't tell any of those stories to anyone. <laughs> but we just had a great time, you know. And, and um, you all have heard me say before, I, I love Justin. I love Jennifer. And even though he's, he's staff, you know, I, he, he's my friend, he's my brother in Christ, and I just treat him that way. That's how I treat him. And part of that means you just have to be real with people, and you just have to let yourself be known. And uh, I had this conversation yesterday. You know, some people treat me weird because I'm a pastor. Y'all don't do that, do you? Yeah. I don't want you to do that. I have a slogan, pastors are people too. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I do. I get the strange treatment but, you know, as soon as someone finds out I'm a pastor, they change their vocabulary, they change their behavior, you know, they do all that. And 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 part of my side of that is just trying to help people be comfortable with who I am, you know. I'm I'm Taylor Hodges. I belong to Jesus Christ. I am also a pastor of a church. All that's true about me. But I need you just to be comfortable with who I am. And if you can do that, and you can be comfortable with who you are, then then we we can have a real friendship. We can have a real relationship. So I'm asking you, will you let yourself be known? You can always put on a mask, walk in this group, and never let people really know who you are. That's your option. I'm just telling you, it's not the best way. Because one of the things we value is to be needed and known. Don't wait until it gets to a crisis before you decide to tell people the truth about you. you know, don't wait for the crisis. Just go ahead. There are people in this room. You, you can't be best friends with everybody. I get that. But there are people in this room you can connect with. You can talk to. You can open up to. And you can be known in that way. I will commit to being a pastor who can be known that may disturb you at some point in the future, okay? But that's all I got. I'm just me. I'm just me. And I want you to be yourself as well. Be who God made you to be. That's the strength of our congregation. We value being needed and known. Let me get to the third one. We value uh, being about service, not serve us. And that's kind of like the first thing I said you know we value service not serve us I'm just saying the first one another way but now the emphasis is on the things that you actually do who remembers house rule number four I got a lot of quiz questions for you today house rule number four everyone has something to do everyone I believe that I believe if, you, if you're going to be a part of this church, I don't mean somebody that just attends, but you want to be a real part of this church, you are a part of this church when you kind of find your way and start contributing in some way. And so you have something to do. Let me tell you about Calvin Dixon from Daleville, Alabama. Uh, I've told Justin this before. When you're doing student ministry, you need someone that you could refer to as a hatchet man. Okay, and those of you have been involved in student ministry, you, you know what I'm talking about. You need a, see, here's the hard part. Here's the hard part when you're the student minister. You're trying to be positive. You know, you're trying to be encouraging. You're the person who's sharing the gospel, teaching the Bible, all those things. But y'all might not know this, but every now and then students get out of line. They need a little they need a little push in the right direction, they need a little discipline there, they need someone to come along and correct them in a in a positive kind of way. You need a hatchet man. That's what you need. Calvin Dixon was the hatchet man for our whole church. He'd go around and um, he'd clean the church. He never asked for any money. He just he cleaned the church. He did it inside. He did it outside. He did all those things. And he never charged anything. He'd go through the church and he'd find... Um, we don't do... that. Well, we have envelopes back on the table, but in that church we had envelopes in the pews. And a lot of children or students, I don't know which in some cases, they would grab those envelopes and they felt led to draw what I call pew art. Some of the most inappropriate things you could ever imagine. You know, kids would write in church or draw in church. And then leave it. Don't take it home. Leave it there. Calvin would find it, and he felt led to bring it to me every Monday. I had a folder of this stuff, you know, this folder of pure art. Actually, I still have that folder. I've got it in a box. I kept all those things. I got this pew art stuff. And, and so, you know, I'm like, well, how, Calvin, I can't do anything about it. It's Monday. I don't, they didn't sign it. I don't know who did it. But they sat over here. You know who was over here. That was Calvin. He was the hatchet man. But the other side of Calvin was, like I said a moment ago, he did all those things he never wanted to be paid. The church tried to pay him. He wouldn't He wouldn't accept it. He just did those things. You know, he found a way that he could contribute and a way that he could help. And he just did it week after week because he was about service. And and, and part of it, a lot of it goes back to just kind of the generation he was in too. They learned to serve everyone. They learned to serve their country. They learned to serve their neighbor. They learned to serve Jesus Christ in the capacity of their faith. That's what they did. So again... That's what we're talking about being about service, not serve us. Now, when people start trying to serve and they're kind of new at it, sometimes they'll stumble. They'll stumble over things that you've been doing. I want to ask you not to get upset about that. And you'd say, well, why would anybody even get upset? It happens. It does. So if you're doing something and you kind of say, this is my thing, this is my responsibility, I love this, I enjoy this, I get a benefit out of this. And you show up one day and somebody else is trying to do your thing or they're trying to do part of it. Look, they're, they're trying to learn how to serve. They're trying to find their way and how they contribute. And if, if they jump in there and start doing something, even if it's not quite the way you would do it, just don't get upset about that. You know, Talk to them. Maybe you can help them. Maybe they need to adjust it a little bit. But, but don't get upset with someone trying to learn how to serve. That's what we value, service. It's, it's what we want people to do. Uh, I said a couple of weeks ago, Scott, what you got? G-O-T, because we all have gifts, we all have opportunities, and we all have time. So what you got? That's what I want you to do. Find out what you got and go to work with it. We value service, not serve us. Okay, number four, I'm gonna do four and five real quick. Number four is we value being an ambassador more than being a commander. And it's not that one's good and one's bad, okay? But we, eva- we value more of the ambassador side over the commander side. So if you're an ambassador, you represent. So a U.S. ambassador represents the United States in some other country. That's what they represent. They're not focused on how to give orders and how to command and how to tell people what to do. They're focused on who do I represent and am I representing that one the right way? A commander, yes, they represent, but their focus is on how they lead and how they tell people what to do and whether everything's going the way it should go. And again, it's not that one's bad and one's good. It's just in the church, we value that representation even more than we value telling people what to do. It sounds worse when I say it that way, doesn't it? Because you all know that person. Please don't point to anybody or whatever, but we've all run into these people in church. And they believe it is their God-given right to tell you what to do, right? About anything and everything. That's what they do. When it would be so much better if they could just shift their thinking to how am I representing Jesus my Lord? How am I representing Christ? There is a time, there is a place For instruction and knowledge and if you want to call it a command a command there's a time and a place for that but you know what it's always time for to think about how you represent jesus christ in the world always you are his ambassador if i could tell you some of the things people tell me but i can't all right if i could just if i could just tell you some of the things that make their way to me i got to leave that alone but but here's what i do when people bring me their stuff, almost always I refuse to tell them what to do. Sometimes they just outright ask me, what do you think I should do? And every now and then I will give an answer to that. But more times than not, I won't tell you what to do because what, I, what I'm what i not bringing co- a command. I'm representing Jesus Christ to you. So if I can bring anything to you, I want to bring to you the person. Bob Goff has a new book out and Justin I remember Bob we saw him at a conference a while back and he's got a new book out and one of his little sayings there is we keep asking God for answers God keeps sending us people somebody comes to you you know they're like here's my thing what's going on tell me what to do and you can try that you may be wrong but what you can do most is bring them the person. You represent Jesus Christ to that person. Love them. Pray for them. Ask them questions. Help them to think it through. Help them learn to paddle. Because they've got to make decisions for their life that honor God. All right, let me do the last one. We value being a giver and not a taker. I'm saying almost the same thing three different ways today. But we value being a giver, not a taker. All right, I'm married to a giver. Y'all know this woman? Yeah. She is amazing. She is a giver beyond uh, anyone else I know in the world. I'm not saying that some of you are not. I'm just saying I'm married to one and I know that that best. She is a giver. I've got this thing I say about premarital counseling because I love to do premarital counseling. It is so much fun yeah. to talk to people who think they know what they're doing as they get married. All you married people are like, yeah. So... It's so much fun, and, and, and this is what happens in premarital counseling. Pretty quick, I figure out if I've got givers or takers, right? And if I'm looking across the desk and i got taker and taker, I'm going, ooh, it's going to be tough, right? It's going to be tough, taker and taker. If I've got one giver, one taker, I'm going, ah, okay, as long as it goes this one's way, it'll probably be okay. And then they're going to have some rough spots, you know, they've got one giver, one taker. And every once in a while, I sit down at the table and I look across at those other two people and I got a giver and a giver. And I go, this is going to be beautiful. Right? It's going to be beautiful. Because basically everybody in the world is either a giver or a taker. They're oriented one way or the other. And what we value in the church and what Jesus taught and what he was trying to get across to his disciples all those years ago, what he's still trying to get across to us today when we read the Bible is become a servant. Be a giver, not a taker. That's what he's saying to us. Whatever it takes to get us there. The Boy Scouts used to teach, leave it better than you found it. You know, you go camping somewhere, leave that spot better than you found it. You're going to use it, but leave it better than you found it. If if you, you embrace that, what's behind that? Being a giver, not a taker. Not taking from your space, your environment, and leaving it worse, but leaving it better than you found it. You're a giver to it. You're a steward of it, not someone who takes from it that last part that jesus said when we read it a few months ago he said not even the son of man not he spoke of himself not even me guys i didn't come to serve to be served i came to serve and then he added this and to give his life as a ransom for many jesus gave and he gave literally everything for us that's what he did and so we as his church if we're going to do it the right way that's what we, embrace. we em- being a giver and not a taker. I'm going to end like this today because I'm kind of running out of time. I just have one question. This is my challenge question for you. We've been talking about what we value. Do you value the right things? Do you value the right things? If we've been working through this today and I'm kind of giving you this or that, this or that, all the way through, you know, if you've seen some areas where it's like, okay, that's not me, I'm more, I'm more of the thing I shouldn't be, you know, I need to make a change here. That's what today is about. It's about following Jesus Christ and valuing the right things. If you do that, that's what adds to this church. That's what makes this faith family different from others. It's the way we hear the door, the knock. It's the way we open the door and it's the way Jesus comes in and His presence is known among us. It's how new people, when they come in, begin to experience something of Jesus Christ because we've opened the door. We're doing the things He wants us to do. We value the things He wants us to value. We're getting in line with Him. That's how we open the door. And so I want to give you just a few moments to think on that today, to reflect on that, and to respond. So here's what we do. We're all going to stand together in just a moment, and I'm going to lead in a brief prayer. And then Shirley's going to come, and she's going to play the keyboard. And I just want you to have a minute or two to pray yourself. And if you're thinking, well, I don't really know how to pray, this is what I'd say. In your mind, just start talking to God. He can hear. He knows everything that, that you're thinking and He'll hear your prayer. And so I want to give you a few moments to respond to God. If, if, if you're here today and faith is kind of a new thing for you and, and you're ready to take that step of faith, then let somebody know before you leave. You're welcome to talk to me. I'll be standing down front here while people are praying or just talk to me on the way out the door. And if you don't want to talk to me, tell somebody. Tell someone that you believe. Let's stand together and we will pray. Our Father in heaven, you are so good to us. And we thank you for the words of Jesus once again. And we think about who he is and who he wants us to be as the church. And God, we recognize that there are times, maybe today even, when we need some adjustments made in our own life. So help us to do that. And God, we give you this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.